HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by 818 Tequila, delicious and smooth tequila, meaning harmony with the earth. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York. 40% alcohol by volume, drink responsibly. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 165 countries around the world, about a million listens a month. And we know if you're listening to Tech Bytes, you have a little bit of technology happening because Heritage Radio Network is web-based radio. You're probably listening to this maybe on a smartphone or on a computer. Maybe you're on an airplane. Today, we are talking about one of my favorite topics this year, digital collectibles and NFTs. It's really one of the top trends in the food tech space. It has become an interesting idea about restaurants having an alternate stream of revenue, sort of like a passive stream of revenue, which is always a great idea if you run a restaurant because you always want more revenue. But especially in the pandemic times and post-March 2020, when restaurant Life went through a lot of transformations, and business is not quite as usual. So the NFT and digital collectibles have become an interesting way for restaurants to, one, um, attract perhaps a brand new clientele who's maybe interested in that tech space, that investment space, that big flex money space. It's another way of offering Uh, virtual experiences to their real-life customers. And it's also a way of creating community around their restaurants, around their food, around their regulars, around their people. And in some instances, the digital leads to an actual real-life food experience, which ultimately is what this show is all about, technology leading us to a real-life delicious food experience. So today we are talking about front of the house, FOH. If you want to follow along online while you're listening to this episode, go to foh.xyz. You can follow them on social media at foh.xyz. What is front of house? Well, for those of you not in the restaurant industry, we talk about restaurants sort of like we talk about the theater. The front of house is where the audience, diners, You listeners sit to have your experience. Front of house staff are the people who are in that space with you. Your host, server, runner, busser, bartender, sommelier, all those people you engage with in the front of the house while you're having your meal. Back of the house, like a theater, is where the work gets done for the thing that you have. So back of the house people are chefs, dishwashers, prep cooks, also maybe a little bit runners, those types of people who you don't ever really see, but you see their work. So front of house is a very kind of cheeky, clever way of talking about you, the diner, and what's happening out front. Um, And XYZ is just a very cool new internet extension instead of .com or .org. There's actually a slew of them right now. .life, surf, art, live all kinds of things. So let's start with who started front of house. 
certainly wasn't necessarily restaurant people. They've been pretty busy the past few years, and they don't really have a lot of bandwidth to create fun new revenue streams. And it wouldn't be passive if they really had to do a lot of work. Now, would it? <laughs> so we have with us Colin Carmack and Phil Toronto, who are two of the partners who founded Front of House. Um, and it's an interesting idea. And as many things are, they love restaurants. They want to help restaurants. They want to do something cool. And so they started Front of House. So Colin, tell us, what was the first idea? What was the first moment of inspiration to put Front of House together? Take us back. Take us to the way, way back. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm a former restaurateur. I used to I used to be a partner in a restaurant group. So I had done that for a very, very long time, pretty much my entire adult life up until about six years ago. Um, so when Phil and I were were got put together through a mutual friend, uh, honestly, all of our ideas of what we wanted to do were were based around restaurant things. Because that's pretty much all I think about all the time. Um, and everything we wanted to do was just figure out ways to connect restaurants and guests and how to really just like help restaurants and be, be a company that could help restaurants in some way. And we had lots of different ideas on, on what that would be. And we started going down a certain, a certain way of investing in restaurants. And then obviously, and all this was pre pandemic, which was, that was our original idea of trying to figure out ways to help restaurants and connect them to people who, uh, well, who had more money to be able to help, uh, prop them up and create cooler restaurants. Um, and right as we were about to get started with that idea, the pandemic happened and we kind of, kind of took a break for a little while. And as I sat around watching restaurants having to pivot and move and change, uh, everything that they had to do was costing them a lot of money at a time when they had no money coming in. Building outdoor structures, pivoting to delivery, figuring out how how to make money without having guests inside of your restaurant, which for a restaurant is kind of the opposite of what you do. So uh, I started hearing a little bit about NFTs actually from learning a little bit about Top Shots, and in my mind that that clicked uh, of restaurants have fans, people love going to these places. Uh, why would this not work for restaurants? So I, I brought the idea to Phil and we really like sat down and, and fleshed out how that would work. And that wasn't an easy process. It actually took a long time from the, the first kernel of the idea till we fleshed it out to what it ended up becoming FOH. But the whole idea was how do we create a way for restaurants to create revenue based on their IP that's not going to cost them anything upfront at all. Well, what are they doing already? How can how can they connect with guests in a different way um, that guests will be excited about, and that the restaurant can do in in an easy way by taking care of their guests? And that was where the name Front of House came from because it's the people who who you see who are physically taking care of you in the restaurant. So, Phil, is this sort of a similar idea though of people still investing in restaurants in terms of the um, economic structure of how it works. It is an idea of collecting something and supporting the entity that you're buying it from. I mean, the return on your investment is in the future unknown. It's also perhaps immediate in terms of what a restaurant would offer to their community of digital collectible holders. But how does that track to, um, did you pull through any of the initial ideas of of investing in restaurants? We actually, we did not. Um, what we did pull through is just the overall thesis that we wanted to drive. <clears throat> what we did pull through was the overall thesis of driving more uh, sustainable revenue that didn't rely on putting diners in seats for restaurants. Um, just because we saw what a test the pandemic was on restaurants in general. And I think everyone really knew that the business model of owning a restaurant is extremely, extremely difficult. And the stress of the pandemic just really, really shown a, a spotlight on some of the shortcomings of the model itself and, and how things could get a bit better. So that's like what we drew through. And I wouldn't say that this is an investment uh, at all, actually, we want to get away from a lot of the speculative nature of NFTs and collectibles because we we don't think it it fits with our 
goal or the restaurant's goals, we want to over deliver on experience and community. So I would say when a diner is buying an off menu digital collectible from us, it's more of just knowing that they're putting more money into their favorite places pocket and helping craft a better experience for both them and other diners. So that's an interesting differentiator between the FOH digital collectible and what is the uh, common story that we read in the media about the NFT. NFTs right now started initially as a collectible, something that you would collect very similar to a piece of artwork or something else that was very unique, one of a kind. Um, you would buy it, you would own it, and it would have tremendous value because it was a one of a kind. And then you would show it to people the same way you would a supercar or a piece of art um, or a piece of jewelry or really expensive sneakers. And then you would hold on to it and maybe just have it appreciate as an item that you collected or perhaps sell it and make some money with perhaps a percentage going back to the original creator of that piece. So that's sort of been the broad NFT storyline now. And then we had sort of a segmentation of NFTs coming from a lot of different types of organizations, restaurants, um, restaurants, uh, food entities, non-food entities, uh, community groups, uh, restaurants, charities, all those types of things where it has become um, just a different type of idea and each entity sort of makes it their own, what they're offering and what they're doing. So just to recap again, it's interesting that you think of front of the house FOH digital collectibles as being different from what we have come to understand as what an NFT is. Is that also why you have called them digital collectibles versus NFTs and also why you don't need crypto to buy one? That's absolutely right. We very actively wanted to differentiate ourselves by calling our NFTs off-menu digital collectibles because we do feel we're different. Um, I would say we, we're obsessed with the idea of, yes, having something to display, your passion for a restaurant. There's a reason that you buy a certain restaurant's off-menu digital collectible. That's because you either are already a regular there, you love their mission, you love their food. We want you to be able to display something, which is why there's artwork associated with any of our digital collectibles. But we also like it to be some sort of a wink-wink, uh, almost as having the GM's phone number because you do have this unique special access and special tie to the restaurant itself because you are a holder. So essentially, then it's selling access to the restaurant. Completely. Okay. So Colin, how did you all initially decide um, what restaurants to approach you have had? Um, when did you launch the first one? Um, you have a, a collection of restaurants that have collectibles. <laughs> Tell us, yeah. how did you approach people? What was your first pitch? Because again, the whole NFT crypto idea is very... Um, it's still very new and it's still very mysterious to a lot of people. We have done a series of shows on Tech Bytes this year um, because it's something I'm very interested in. Um, we have episode 253, which is about the Dumpling Mafia NFTs. We have episode 256, which is how to buy an NFT that's with crypto and a hot wallet. Um, and then we recently had one where um, Hattie's Bay, it's a lobster club, um, put out an NFT, episode 265, and interestingly, all their money goes back to marine conservation. Um, NFTs, cryptocurrency, um, which is an environmental issue, raises money to go back into the environment, which is kind of an interesting full circle there. But so tell us, how did you pitch this idea to restaurants and what did you pitch to them? Because it's still kind of mysterious, even though we read about it in the news. And as you mentioned earlier, Restaurants don't have a lot of time and they were definitely and pro and still very much are in the throes of a day-to-day -day evolution of, of what's happening in the world. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say it's an evolving pitch, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's restaurants I know for a fact, just just being one of those people in general, like are not really techno technologically forward thinking for the most part. There's an old way of doing business, and that's the way that a lot of restaurants have done it for a very long time. I think one of the one of the things the pandemic did 
was actually open their eyes to new things and ways that they needed to to rely on some technologies to to make their lives easier and better. Um, with this, I honestly, it was the pitch is really similar to what we say to the to the guests who are buying them. I I said, oh, okay, this is an NFT, but let's forget that. Let's let's forget all about that. Let's create. What experiences do you want to highlight? What would you love for your? What do your guests love? How do you? How do you interact with your best guests? If someone wanted to buy uh, a membership to something that you did, what would that thing be? Um, and then it really became on the restaurant to think about like what their coolest experiences are, what they could do inside the restaurant, what they could offer outside the restaurant. Uh, that would be a really cool feature of this collectible. Um, and once restaurants started thinking about that, and what I what I really wanted to push was, let's not do anything that's too crazy. Let's not do anything that's totally outside your wheelhouse. We can get there one day. But for now, let's let's think about things you do that not maybe not every guest has access to. And let's figure out a way to get them access to this interesting, cool thing that maybe you used to do a long time ago uh, and now don't don't offer anymore or uh, something, something that you just have always on hand. That's a, that's a thing, a special treat that you give out to certain guests. Let's include that in whatever this extra membership is. Um, so I really broke it down to a thing that's really, really simple, really easy, really digestible of how do we, how do we do something special for, for some guests and let's, uh, let's put a price on it and let's, uh, let's get people who may, may or may not have access to it to get access to this cool thing. So then, Phil, so what is the back end of this? What's the back of the house process? Because, I mean, front of house is the infrastructure and the platform to both sell the digital collectibles, but you're also helping and producing the actual assets. So, I mean, in terms of um, just how it works, and again, no need to reveal any, um, you know, secret, secret recipes, but... Restaurants also don't necessarily, and the public at large also doesn't necessarily understand how all these things happen. Um, I often say that restaurants, although, you know, I adore them and they're smart and super innovative and cutting edge is a word we use all the time. The tech level is like Sharpie pen on seafold towel at the bar or at the kitchen counter in many ways. So tell us what the back of the house process is for making these digital collectibles. Totally. So without giving too much away about our, our secret recipe, uh, we, we did our best to rearrange the process of buying a digital collectible. What we did was just put a lot of the current process around Web3 and crypto experiences in the background and make it easier for a not necessarily normal user, but someone who isn't exactly crypto savvy yet. Uh, we can get there and we would like to. But right now, um, you'll come to FOH.XYZ. You'll buy your NFT just like you would check out on any e-commerce website that you would uh, on the internet. Uh, you put in your credit card. You can also pay with crypto if you'd like, but you do not have to. Um, and everything else happens on the back end where we'll mint your digital collectible on Polygon, which is a more environmentally friendly um, layer two of Ethereum. So uh, we are very conscious of that as well. And you'll have the opportunity to either place your digital collectible in an existing wallet if you happen to have one, or we have an easy way for you to create your very first crypto wallet if that's the route you want to go as well. And then how do the restaurants track who owns what? We, uh, so we, we, track it on, uh, we track it on our side and we have a shared, shared sheet with the restaurants. And also anytime there is a, there's any sale, uh, I'll shoot them an email that says new sale. This is the information sheet is updated. Um, and then they reach out to the, reach out to the guest with, uh, with basically a welcome email of this is exactly what you do to redeem any of these benefits. These are the, these are the rules. These are the stipulations. So happy to have you as part of our community. Um, and that's how we, uh, that's how we track it on, on the back end and make sure the restaurant's always in the loop and we have all the information. Uh, so the restaurants now then have a list of their micro community while we as uh, front of house have a, have a macro community of, of people. And then we're going to start reaching out and do more uh, IRL events uh, for that, and the restaurants can do all of that stuff in house as well. IRL in real life. It sounds like it's still a very um, analog, 
process on the back end of actual people updating things and sending yeah, emails to actual people versus bots and, and algorithms and auto um, auto replies and things like that. What When did the first digital collectible launch and what was the restaurant? The first digital collectible was kind of a, it was, it was a double drop of Dame and, uh, and Wild Air. Both restaurants downtown in New York City, uh, both a little bit different, but both kind of charming and uh, young chefs and people, uh, good fun scene and uh, nice wine programs, both of them. How did those go? Uh, they both went really, really well. Um, and there were two wildly different things that they were doing. Uh, Dame, which, as you may or may not know, is a, is an incredible restaurant downtown and is just really, really difficult to get into. Honestly, mostly because, number one, it's fantastic. Number two, it's just a very small restaurant. Um, so theirs was more of just a, a straight-up play of we're going to sell this thing and we're going to help guests who don't really have the time to figure out how to get in here, an easy way to get in whenever they want. Um, and for, for a while there, they're really kind of going more to that, uh, the classic, uh, quote unquote NFT play, but they're, they're creating a community based around their donuts, which became really, really popular, um, over the course of the the pandemic, they just started doing these donut pop-ups and collaborations with, uh, with chefs from around the country, around the world. Um, and they were going to create a club of, of these donuts. They got a great artist to put together like this collection of donuts and each one i think there's four or five uh variations of each one um and they were they're selling them and creating this donut community that will have benefits of a newsletter or uh donut parties and stuff like that that they're that they're working on putting together listeners are online i really recommend you go to foh.xyz and take a look at it um they're called donut friends and it absolutely was made for the nft internet digital collectible space it's sort of if you would imagine what a perfect thing would be for a restaurant to do this is absolutely it it's really really good and very very well done yeah they're 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 awesome they're they're really really good looking um i definitely have mine (laughs) so all told how many at this point in time how many restaurants and how many collectibles are out there in the world um, we have four restaurants that have dropped, um, four restaurants that have dropped, uh, and then we also did a, did a party. So all, that's the other thing that you can do with this technology is all ticketing, uh, can be done with, with an NFT. You show, you show the digital collectible at the door. Um, and that is your, that is your ticket into an event. So we did a, we did an in real life event. It was our first one. Um, so those we sold out completely 125 of those. Uh, we've probably sold about 50 of the, uh, of the others in, in the previous drops. Um, so we have a, we have a bunch out there right now and, uh, everyone is going to have unique benefits within, uh, within the communities that we're trying to build. So joining us also today, they've been very patient waiting for me to call their ticket order, like order up. We have Ben Lowell and Sarah Levine, who are the owners of Hanoi House, which is a Vietnamese restaurant in New York City. And they are the most recent drop. Their collectibles dropped yesterday. So Sarah, tell us, what what did you think when you first heard the FOH digital collectible pitch? Uh, Well, I believe in Colin in a lot of ways. He's um, really just one of those restaurant savvy people. Um, Like you said before, not necessarily working in restaurants now, but previously did and so in touch with what people want, what's hot, um, what's unique. And he's sort of a regular in our neighborhood. And we have a, a mutual friend from many years back. So there was just this sort of belief in him. And, um, you know, that's really how it started. But my partner has really, for the, in the last year, year and a half, um, dived into crypto and NFTs. And so I kind of just said like, hey, Colin said this thing it sounds really cool. Can you guys talk? Because I don't really know what's going on. Well, one of the interesting things about what you just said is that is exactly what people talk about in the investment and innovator and founder and fundraising space So many of the experts or the people uh, who invest or who are guiding, um, you know, founders to raise money, 
everyone always says you don't invest in the thing or the product, you invest in the people. Um, the people, whether you think they have a great idea or you trust them. So that's very interesting, Sarah. Do you think you would have been interested in the digital collectible space if it was somebody you didn't know who showed up one day in the restaurant and said, hey, we're, we're doing this digital collectible marketplace and we'd love for you to participate? Would you have been interested? How many sort of walk-in cold calls do you get as a restaurant owner every week? Um, a lot. And most are technology-based. Most offer less time, less investment, more results, more guests, more money. Um, so you just kind of, you learn to filter them out and you pretty much can only pursue something if it has a, an excellent reputation or if it is a very unique solution to a problem that you think only maybe we have and we, we haven't been able to find a solution. But usually it's only if there's a shared connection, a person or a, a reputation that you, you just can't ignore. Interesting. I just listening to you answer that question, I'm thinking we should do a roundtable with restaurant people about all the crazy tech pitches they get all the time. Because oh, yeah. we've certainly had a lot of the founders here come on the show saying, well, I have this great idea. I'm going to revolutionize the restaurant industry with my AI bot. And then maybe not so much. Um, <laughs> so Ben, you, you are a little bit of an NFT crypto person. You're interested in the space active. You collect a couple, you have a couple NFTs. Tell us about that. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm an NFT crypto person. Um, I would say it's something that I'm currently interested in and have been exploring a little bit. Hobbyist? Uh, sure. Yeah. Hobbyist for sure. You know, it's something that I kind of do like if Sarah and I are sitting down to watch some TV, maybe I'll be on my phone also, you know, seeing what's new or exciting or what people are talking about. Is that what you do instead of social media, maybe? You do crypto and NFTs instead of like TikTok or Instagram? For sure. Okay. And I, I mean, it kind of is a social media at some point because it's, you know, like I think Phil and Kong were saying, it is about community and shared interest. Um, so it's just a different form of social media, I guess, with some sort of proof that you belong there. Interesting. So when you first heard about the idea of doing a digital collectible, what was your take on it? Yeah, I was super excited. Um, Colin definitely comes in with some really good energy and he's very persistent also. Um, <laughs> and right off the jump, even if it wasn't about us, I really wanted to hear about the project, um, who else was doing it, what they were doing, what sort of perks or, you know, utility I guess is a word that a lot of people use within the community. Um, and it seemed cool. Like, I don't know that a lot of people at this point get NFTs um, or are even interested in it at any level. Um, but to see it coming to like the restaurant industry, which is, you know, what I spend, I would say 90% of my time, energy and effort on um, seeing those two worlds collide. I'm like, this is so cool. Let's just like sit down and talk. Well, it's an interesting idea of creating something digital to help support something in real life. Maybe we should create a Tech Bytes digital collectible NFT and listeners can support us in real life. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to listen to a little commercial at seeing who is supporting us this week. And it's worth noting that we are right in the middle of our summer membership drive. And if you do want to support Tech Bytes and Heritage Radio Network, we've been on the air since 2009, making radio, telling stories, sharing the mic, creating a platform for people to talk about things that are important to them in their food life. You know, go to heritageradionetwork.org slash membership and join us. Stay with us. I'm Chaba Periban, co-host of Agave Road Trip on HRN here to talk about 818 Tequila. 818 creates their tequila using traditional methods that a family owned and operate distillery in Jalisco, Mexico. From the blue agave they grow to their recycled glass bottle, 818 emphasizes the Earth's importance in all they do. Their distillery runs on biomass and solar power, which means they don't rely as much on fossil fuels and are able to reduce their carbon footprint. Their labels, corks, and boxes are all certified by the Forest Stewardship Council as coming from sustainability-managed forests. 818 is a proud member of 1% for the Planet, through which they support HRN as well as Sacred. 
my organization in Jalisco, where together we transform agave byproducts and water waste into adobe bricks that are donated to local infrastructure projects, like a local library in Zapotitlan de Vadillo. Visit drink818.com to learn more about their sustainability efforts and find 818 near you. 818 has been part of so many magical nights for me, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York. 40% alcohol by volume, drink responsibly. Hi, I'm Katie Mosman-Wadler, Executive Director of HRN. HRN is dedicated to amplifying voices from all across our food system. Today, I'm asking listeners to take part in our summer membership drive by helping sustain our mission to expand the way eaters think about food. As a thank you for this tax-deductible donation, you can receive some great HRN swag, including the HRN cap, wine carrier, or a special spice set from Burlap and Barrel. By becoming a member, you'll play an essential role in keeping nonprofit food radio on the air. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate to become a member today. Thank you for your support. You are listening to Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we look at the intersection of food and technology. And today that intersection is in the metaverse, Web3. We are talking about digital collectibles. Don't say NFT. We are talking with Front of the House, FOH, and the folks from Hanoi House. They just released a new digital collectible that you could own if you wanted to. Go to foh.xyz and you will see the latest drop, Hanoi House, which happened yesterday. You can click and see those collectibles in action. If you want to take a look at Hanoi House, which is a very much loved restaurant in downtown New York City, Go to HanoiHouseNYC.com or follow them on social media at Hanoi.House. We are talking with some of the partners at FOH and the owners of Hanoi House about the recent drop yesterday. And restaurants are always obligated to sort of get into the next latest, greatest social media new tech thing because consumers expect that. You walk into a restaurant and you expect to be able to have the same digital life you have in the rest of your world with your phone, click and pay, photos, menus, updates. If someone said, hey, let's go to Hanoi House, most people would probably go to Instagram or the internet to take a look at it if they didn't know it. So restaurants are almost obligated um, as the social social entities that they are to stay current. And sometimes that's challenging, um, but sometimes you have people who come along who can help you with that. So Ben and Sarah decided to do a FOH digital collectible. So tell us, how did you decide on what to offer people and tell us what your digital collectibles look like? Well, I think we wanted it to reflect our identity and where we come from and how the restaurants evolved. Um, We've always just sort of wanted to be an easy neighborhood place that you can drop in, you can come as you are, you can come three times a week or order delivery two or three times a week. And so we wanted it to be just sort of classic and easy. Um, and I, I think I we definitely referenced what our, you know, what you were saying about social media just a few minutes ago really struck a chord with me because you you have to do it. And so looking back at the things that have been successful for us, Honestly, it's noodle pulls. They're like this thing. They have almost a cult following and they're the photos and the posts that get the most attention. And so that was a big inspiration. How do we take like a noodle pull? Do we make it into a cartoon? Do we put it against different backgrounds? And so we just started shooting some videos and those were definitely the best and most exciting results that we had were different angles and different sort of shots. One, you know, one's a really simple bowl of pho. One is a, the house special where you get all the different luxurious meats. Um, and so it was just about like reflecting on what is currently popular and what really people get excited about. Um, and this, we definitely looked at it as just the first set of collectibles being really like simple and classic and then moving into something that maybe is a little bit more artistic or a little bit more complex. How has the response been so far? It just dropped yesterday. So we have, you know, not even 24 hours really of 
of time. Have you been watching? Um, have you? Is there a way for you to sort of watch and see in real time how many have been bought? Are you waiting? Is it like, whoo, that's finished, and then? Well, it's definitely like, whoo, that's finished, uh, as it is with with any project at all. I mean, I just sent my uh, renewal for my liquor license, and that was like, I dropped it off at the post office. I felt like I was dropping off my senior thesis in college. I mean, there's definitely a sense of release once it happens. Um, we have been watching it. I mean, I just look at look at FOH and see uh, what's happening. We have only sold one, which I'm not that surprised about. Um, I think that we are going to learn a lot in the next few days based on people's responses, um, what what is going to work and how we can really explain these to people in a way that they're palatable. Um, and I've even learned just on this conversation that we should shift the dialogue to digital collectible and to membership as opposed to NFT because it is still so, so foreign and mysterious. And, and it, it, immediately the response is like, ugh, it's kind of like love-hate right now. <laughs> well, and also, you know, keeping track of what's happening in the world, which sometimes is is challenging for anybody who works, you know, 24-7, like the restaurant business is. NFTs are tied to cryptocurrency, and cryptocurrency is having a little bit of a roller coaster right now. It's up, it's down, it has value, it doesn't have value. So, you know, it... it it's hard to know what your customer base has in terms of a frame of mind about crypto and NFTs. If you're just sort of someone who's reading like the top line news in, you know, the news feed app on your phone or getting news from Instagram, you know, you might think, oh, I don't want to buy an NFT because crypto is going down in value. And then instead of being worth $100, it'll be worth like a quarter. And then why do I want to do that? But the idea of buying um, membership or community access into a restaurant vis-a-vis a digital membership card in many ways um, and being able to pay for it with uh, U.S. dollars, you know, kind of might make a difference in terms of the messaging. It's still so new and it's also technology. I mean, the, the gap of, you know, actual adaptation from you know, early adapters to the general public, you know, in the olden days, which is just a few years ago, there are a lot of books and surveys and studies that said it takes like 10 years, essentially. I am currently looking at front of house at the Hanoi house um, assets, and I'm taking a look at what the perks or, you know, swag or, you know, membership items are that come with the digital collectible. And I mean, the things that jump out to me are guaranteed access to primetime reservations within 24 hours notice, which is all anybody in New York City wants. Just out of curiosity, what does primetime mean today? It's just a way of saying you can have it when you want it. Okay. Because back in my day, primetime was eight (laughs) o'clock. Is that still the case? I know with the pandemic, people want to eat earlier. Seven is like o'clock. six o'clock, seven yeah. o'clock. Um, seven is a totally, it, it's like the witching hour. And it's, it's actually really cool because with all the outdoor seating and the way everything changed, St. Mark's, we all have like sidewalk seating and it was off limits for all of time, except for Cafe Mogador, but we're all out there and there's like still someone that plays the horn at seven o'clock every night Wow! in honor of the essential workers. And it's like just this moment where it's like the entire city just converges at that time. Amazing. It used to yeah. be dinner at eight. Um, I mean, yeah, now, now 630 is the new, uh, <laughs> is the new <laughs> Good eight to know. o'clock. Good to know. It's wild. But I mean, back to their, like their, the, their perks. Uh, I think when we got those, when, when Sid, who's uh, Sydney, who's a big part of our team as well, when she got exactly what Sarah and Ben wanted to do with Hanoi House, she sent it to, to, to our team and we were just like, these, these people really understood the assignment because I thought they were some of the coolest perks that were really thought out uh, and really fun and just a great benefit to, to whoever buys them. Like I, was, I was really stoked when I read those and we, uh, we all just kind of freaked out at how, how cool it was. And, and then the way the, the way the collectibles ended up looking are just, just really, really cool. The, you also get a, a drink. Any, any time with any meal that you're there in the restaurant, which is great. Who doesn't want drinks? 
But I think, <laughs> I mean, and getting a primetime reservation is fantastic also. But I think the big perk is, and they bur- you buried it way down at the bottom of the list, um, custom soft serve ice cream pie for holders' birthdays. <laughs> Who doesn't want a custom soft serve ice cream pie for your birthday? I mean, that's spectacular. I, I, I think one of the next ones should be one of these custom ice cream birthday pie things because that to me is just spectacular. Um, well, we just launched a dessert pop-up right next to the restaurant. And so we have a soft serve machine and we have like 20 different toppings and a bunch of baked goods. And it's something that we had talked about doing maybe at the restaurant as an everyday dessert menu item, but then it just sort of coincided with the drop. And we thought how cool we've, you know, we've got this product and it is truly customizable. Like we've made a couple already, so we know it works and we know it's awesome. Um, And now it's, it's really, really exclusive to these holders. So exciting. Who doesn't love soft serve? Um, So question to everybody, because as always, we run out of time um, and we always have so much more left to talk about. But a question to everyone, and we'll start with Colin and Phil and then go to Ben and Sarah. Hard hard to imagine, but do you think you would have done this business if it weren't for the pandemic? Do you think the pandemic has made this business possible, more interesting, Is it a pandemic pivot that you started to do this? Or is it just something that would have come into view anyway because of just what's happening in our digital social media, you know, Web3 life on Earth? I I would I think that this is a business that that is um, I'm, I'm really excited about it, but I think it's something that has not come up because of the pandemic. I think that I think that speeded up the process of people using technology a little bit more, people adapting to things a little bit quicker because they had a little bit more time on their hands. Um, I think it's something that was inevitably going to happen uh, eventually. Uh, but I think it definitely, the pandemic, I think, helped speed up the process and see a need for for more interesting ways to interact with, with restaurants. Yeah, I agree. Just to bridge off what Colin was saying, I think the pandemic... Uh, this is one of the silver linings where it actually helped the process of getting restaurants comfortable with doing something like this with Web3 and crypto because it really put every restaurant owner's entrepreneurial spirit to the test because there was no other option other than keeping the doors open and being able to feed themselves. Uh, so they had to experiment with a lot of different technologies or ideas that they just might not have been open to previously. I think this business absolutely would exist, just not as soon, simply because Colin and I have been so obsessed with driving different revenue streams to restaurants, again, that aren't reliant on diners, that can help them just have a more sound business overall. And I think, I also think with the exclusion of probably Ben, I think, I mean, restaurant people, I I believe truly are some of the most creative uh, thinkers out there. I just don't think that same thing happens within technology. I think they're creative in, in many different ways. And I think, honestly, I think they are the most creative. I think Ben's one of the few who are super into kind of like technological things as well. Um, but I think this, it just leaves so much room for them to, to do really interesting things as we bring this technology to the forefront. And do you think you would be interested in a digital collectible were it not for the pandemic? Or it sounds like you were probably already interested in the space. Uh, I, I think kind of like what Colin and Phil said that the pandemic definitely sped things up. People had a lot of time on their hands, um, to kind of look into new and unusual at that point stuff like NFTs. Um, I don't know if I would have been into it, to be honest. Um, I think the thing that, you know, struck us the most with launching with FOH it's not going to be a huge revenue generator. You know, it's like adding an extra day of sales to our year. Um, but it's fun. And like after the past two years, excuse me, which, you know, were tough for everyone in the industry, being able to do something fun with the restaurant was really appealing. Um, the fact that 
you know, I'd already like kind of dabbled with NFTs. Sure, definitely helped a lot. But seeing the enthusiasm and excitement around it um, from the FOH guys and from Sydney, who's awesome, I think that definitely had a lot to do with it as well. I love that you said it's an extra day of revenue because it is a one-time sale. It's not a membership or it's not the customer who walks in three times a week. You're not reselling the same digital collectible multiple times over and over, but it is like you get the 366 day year this year, <laughs> which is something Every that we talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's our new tagline. It's amazing. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Can we use that? It's all yours. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of, you know, thinking about the, the pandemic and, you know, would it have, would it not have? So something very special happened the first couple of weeks um, in March of 2020. And I'm sure you all, you, you saw it, you probably participated in it. Um, we all had, we had no idea what was going to happen. And we went to crowdfunding. Um, everybody that I know, or most people set up either a gift certificate program or a GoFundMe page. And it was unbelievable how many people responded so generously, um, some regulars, some strangers, and, you know, some $10, some $5,000. People were so generous at the thought of what if my restaurant doesn't make it? Or what if, you know, they have to lay off some of their staff, which we all did immediately. Um, so it was motivated, I think, by, you know, pres preservation and just taking care of the good people that worked really hard at the restaurant that you've been going to for a couple of years. So I, I think that in, it sort of informs what FOH is doing and how we're approaching it. It is extra revenue, but it's fun. It allows a certain level of engagement and allows us to, uh, you know, offer rewards and gratitude to the people that do support us. Um, and it is sort of, in many ways, it's similar to that type of support that we received a couple of years ago. And, you know, to the point where I almost want to like give away a couple of them to the people that were our, you know, first and most vocal supporters back then when we had no idea what was going to happen. That's, it's interesting to hear Ben and Sarah articulate what it means because in many ways, um, you can see coming to the point where you want to do something to give back to your regulars in the community, even without, you know, a global disaster. And you know, people might have come to it, you know, eventually, what can we do? What can we do that seems sort of, you know, democratic, but that's a way you can give access to people without it seeming too snobby or elitist mm -hmm. is kind of what I'm looking for. I mean, everybody wants reservations at the time that they want them and everybody wants free things. And, you know, something amazing on their birthday. And typically the only way to get that at a restaurant is to become a regular um, or to know somebody who knows a chef or a maitre d' or, you know, somebody you can send a message to or, you know, phone in a phone in a special request. So it's an interesting idea. It's sort of a um, kinder, gentler, community-based way of being a little exclusive with people, but somehow it's it's removed the sort of not nice elitism that sometimes comes with those things um, is kind of what it feels like. Plus, how could you be mad at donut friends, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no one's mad at donuts. No one's mad at donut friends. Okay, so Colin and Phil, last thought, where do you see FOH in at the end of this year? Where do you see FOH next year? I mean, are you going to scale? It's going to be hard to be sending handwritten emails to people if you get too big. <laughs> We're uh, this is this is we're in a very very early stage. I think a lot of the technology is going to change quite a bit over the next six months to a year. Uh, I think what we're able to do and what we're going to do is going to be a lot different than what what it is right now. But I see this being something that every neighborhood restaurant can can use throughout anywhere. I think uh, I think it's as it catches on. I think it's something that can be really useful, really interesting, and really as they said, really fun. Uh, to, to connect with people in a new way. And I think it can be done anywhere. We, we're putting basically the, the bones in place that restaurants can easily uh, get involved. We should do an FOH uh, Tech Bytes HRN drop when we do our annual fundraiser at the end of the year in Christmas, in December that. or something like that. That would be a lot of fun. We could be yeah, your beta yeah. test case for a .org. 
<laughs> we're super in .org and .xyz together <laughs> at last. Too many letters. <laughs> I'd like to buy a vowel. Um, I want to thank Colin Carmack and Phil Toronto, partners at FOH. If you want to check out their offerings, foh.xyz. Follow them on social media at foh.xyz. That is the place to go if you want to buy a digital collectible, learn more about digital collectibles, or if you are a restaurant and you want to put a digital collectible onto their site. I also want to thank Ben Lowell and Sarah Levine, owners of Hanoi House in New York City. Check them out online at hanoihousenyc.com and on social media at hanoi.house. Their digital collectibles dropped yesterday. You still have a few left. Primetime reservations and soft serve ice cream pie on your birthday. Like, where do I where do I click to buy that? And beers. FOH.xyz. <laughs> if you like NFTs and you are interested in learning more about them in the restaurant space, check out Tech Bytes episodes 253, 256, and 265. We have a lot of fun things out there. Dumplings, lobsters, all kinds of stuff. And if you're a restaurateur or in the restaurant space and you are learning about how to do more with your business online, we did a great episode last year, episode 230, Successful Virtual Events. Because creating virtual events online is also something that restaurant people had to learn to do when it's, you know, online video theatrical production is really not their thing, but it really took front of house, back of house to a new place. If you love the show, come back and listen. If you really loved it, go to your favorite podcasting platform, click subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It's actually pretty helpful. It helps our shows bubble up and more people can discover them. If you think the work we do at Heritage Radio Network is important, more than a decade of stories, interviews, archived forever for you to listen to and use as research, a platform and a mic to share stories with people around the world. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash member, become a member. And who knows, you know, we have swag too. <laughs> I'm Jennifer Leitzi, and this is Tech Bytes. This show is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.